0: Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection is the perfect Christmas gift for children, grandchildren, and godchildren ages 5 through 9. This new resource is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. You can also purchase Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December, Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection, 1-800-325-3040, or issuesetc.org
1: i I'm sorry. Your mother's dead. We want a funeral. Excuse me. You're going to give him a permit. This is an Imperial patrol. Stand by for transponder scan. What's he doing? Tractor
0: Force up five. Does he think he can get away?
1: Like some pirate hawk. Prepare to jump to hyperspace and inform Lord Vader.
2: There's no way out alive. Of that, you must be sure.
0: Those are some scenes from the final season one episode of the Star Wars TV series Andor. Pastor Ted Geese has called it Star Wars for Adults. How does this series deal with the issue of death? You heard a mention of a funeral in that clip. Greetings and welcome to Issues Etc. on this Friday afternoon, December the 2nd. I'm Todd Wilkin. Thanks for tuning us in. We'll be looking at Season 1 of the Star Wars TV series Andor with Pastor Ted Geese. A little bit later, Dr. Angus Manoj joins us to discuss naturalism, Christianity, and human dignity. And then we'll be studying the Advent Hymn on Jordan's Bank, The Baptist Cry, with Dr. Arthur Just of Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana. Pastor Ted Geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He's pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada, and he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Ted, welcome back. Thanks, Todd. Before we get to Andor, I would like to get your reaction to, I think this has to be the worst opening for a Disney animated feature, Strange World, which cost, I believe, somewhere in the neighborhood of... $200 $200 million to make, I might be overestimating.
1: Yeah, I think it's $120 million.
0: As of the latest reporting, its five-day domestic opening came in at just under $19 million. Why do you think it's bombing so bad? And it's projected to lose $100 million for the studio.
1: Listen, I didn't end up seeing it. One of the reasons I didn't see it is I've been super busy. Uh, another reason I didn't see it is, well, it's it's supposed to be a family kids movie, and I don't go to all of those movies. The other reason that I didn't see it is is that it's purportedly has a teenage gay relationship kind of thing in it, or a teenage boy who has a crush on another boy. That's all part of it. Not everybody is interested in that. Lots of people are starting to feel like there's just – Way too much of that in everything. And Disney has a problem now that people are starting to choose not to watch things. If they don't, if they start to feel like this is going on and they don't want to have anything to do with it, they're starting to just not show up. I think that's part of it. And you'd think that, because this was over the your guys' Thanksgiving weekend, right? Yes, it was. So that should be a big day, like a big week- weekend for. For a movie like this so i guess they're, they they chose to continue to go see or to finally get around to seeing black panther wakanda forever movie because i think that's still making money um, and we talked about that it's got its own things that's another disney product but another thing is is that some people i think just kind of figured it didn't look that exciting and maybe it also didn't uh you didn't really know what you're getting into by watching the the trailer I think, too, in the trailer, from what I remember from watching the trailer, it didn't tell you about this stuff. But I think on social media, people are starting to talk about some of the content that was not put in the trailer. So, again, this is that kind of get you in the theater and then hit you with the thing that's supposed to get you to warm up to these ideas. And people are kind of getting wise, maybe, to it. It's not like that there's so much in the theater right now that there's too much to pick from or... You know, another element might just be that it's getting more and more expensive to go to the theaters. And if you start to see that there's going to be some Trojan horse, you know, content that maybe your family doesn't agree with, well, do you want to spend all that money on that? Or do you want to, you know, watch something else on a streaming platform or something you have like a hard copy of or whatever that you can more rely on? I think that's all part of it.
0: So bring us up to speed, uh, kind of reintroduce us, if you would, to this latest Star Wars series, Andor.
1: Yeah, Andor is a prequel to the movie Rogue One, which itself is a prequel to the original Star Wars film from 1977 that's now called A New Hope. And in it, this series, you're kind of focusing on this character of Cassian Andor, played by Diego Luna, and he's an orphan that's been uh taken in by this lady marva played by fiona shaw and now he's an adult but he's kind of out of happenstance kind of being drawn into a rebellion against the empire and it all kind of is predicated off of a incident that happens in the first episode where he's searching for his sister he gets in an altercation with some corporate security guards he ends up killing them, and then he has to go on the lamb. And as he's doing all of that, he gets drawn into this rebellion, and that's kind of. And you're following him along the way. And uh, Tony Gilroy, the guy that made the, he's the showrunner and was one of the writers, main writers on Rogue One. He wants to show how a guy like this character g- goes from where he is, kind of like this low level laborer kind of guy working in a shipyard like disassembling things a little bit of scavenging here and there how he ends up becoming this spy master for the rebellion that you meet in rogue one he wants to show that story so this is kind of him growing into that
0: so how is it just in terms of kind of its tone different from the other various incarnations of star wars we've been familiar with
1: Yeah, this one, I, you know what, the thing about it is, last time I mentioned, it's like Star Wars for adults, and, like, when I say that, it's not, okay, so often people will think of, okay, well, a show that's for adults has got, like, nudity in it, and it's got, like, vulgar language, and it's got, like, graphic violence, let's say, that kind of stuff, that's not what I mean here, this isn't, like, star wars vis-a-vis game of thrones or something that's not what this is about when it's like star wars for adults the tone of it it's just more mature and the other part of it that i think is important is that it respects its audience and it respects the source material and it's still being creative though like there's still creative things going on it's not all about fun consistently through the whole thing that's not what it's about it's very grounded everything is put together in a way that's very credible. It feels like a real lived in world. And that's one of the things that the original star Wars film resonated with people. Like the world that it was happening in was kind of run down. Like the droids were beat up. Everything was kind of rough around the edges where it should be and neat and tidy and brand new and spick and span where it should be. And that kind of, concrete realism is something you get in spades in this show, including kind of the emotional content of the TV show where people are allowed to kind of stew in their feelings. And then just like the whole way that the characters are unfolded, where you know they really get you to like certain characters, even characters you maybe you shouldn't like, and then all of a sudden they pull a rug out from in you and you go you think to yourself, oh no, that's a really bad guy (laughs) or that's a really bad woman character like these guys are not good guys it's very well constructed and it takes the subject matter seriously
0: talk a little bit about the politics or the ideological ideas in this show
1: okay so this is interesting i think that like nowadays because um Everything seems to have politics in it, like including your entertainment. It's worth thinking about when you watch a movie like this. And of course, we're, when you watch a TV show like this, it's worth thinking about. One thing that we, I think lots of Christians are paying attention to now is like, does it have like agendas that are part of our modern kind of political landscape being brought into it? I mean, we were just talking about that Strange Worlds show and what kind of things like that might be in this well there is a lesbian relationship in this show and mm. the character it's a this character of Val and Cinta but it's very different than you find in other shows like this or other movies they don't make a big deal about it I guess like there's no big passionate kisses and you know stuff like that it's not super sexualized the most you get is like at one point one puts their hand on the other person's hand it's a completely different approach to all of that which if you're watching it with someone might kind of like not even notice maybe even and the other part of it is is the idea that the one is constantly being rebuffed by the other one because the relationship is not as important as the rebellion there's that aspect where you have to sublimate your desires for the greater good. And they're playing that out in that relationship, which is very interesting. It's not something you normally see in uh, most modern television and films. So that's kind of an interesting part of it. There's other things that I think are kind of interesting in terms of like general politics. One of the staples for the whole idea of star Wars is, is you have the empire and you have a rebellion But they don't often get into what the philosophy of the rebellion even is. So in this show, they actually have a character of Karis Nemec, who is part of this Aldani heist story arc, and he has written a manifesto. And that manifesto kind of becomes part of the story itself. Diego Luna as Cassian Andor actually ends up with the manifesto, And while they don't show him like quoting from it, you can tell that it's starting to have an impact on him and he's kind of carrying this manifesto with him and he's going to deliver this to other people. So there's that kind of element going on in it, which is very interesting. It talks about the brittle nature of authority uh, and how oppression masks fear. There's all sorts of like very interesting little details in that, which Maybe in the first Star Wars film or some of the other Star Wars films, it kind of was boiled down to may the force be with you and that's it. But here there's more to it. There's more thought as to why you would need to have a rebellion and what that rebellion would look like and what the uh, manifesto would even be. So that's, it's present in this, which is quite interesting. There's also speeches that are given by different characters. Marva Andor, Andor's mother gives a, a big speech at one point that again is a call to rebellion to the people the character of Luthen riel played by stellan skarsgard gives this maybe one of the very best grounded realistic real soliloquies about rebellion and what it means and what he has to sacrifice in order to make it all happen which is is a really compelling bit of television maybe the best speech in all of star wars along the way so there's all of that stuff which is very interesting then also you have the character of senator mon mothma played by genevieve o'reilly and in her storyline you get this whole thing where she's this chandelion alien and they have arranged marriages as part of their tradition and her daughter is very interested in tradition and has embraced tradition in a way that kind of bothers her mother and her mother like this uh mon mothma and her husband they're in an arranged marriage and you don't find that out until part way through the show and it's more show don't tell so when you kind of start to piece it together you're like oh well this makes sense as to everything that's going on in their relationship because it makes sense when you realize it's a, an arranged marriage and then that becomes a plot point when it comes to the daughter So you've got like the progressive versus traditional kind of thing going on in those characters as well. So I think it's very rich and interesting. Plus you get this kind of banality of evil in the bureaucratic machine of what the empire has become, the Republic turning into the empire. And that's all part of it as well. So you get a little bit of an idea of what they think about and believe when it comes to everything. It's a very rich tapestry of ideas That are being displayed in a way that is natural and grounded in concrete and not, I don't know, it doesn't have like the exposition girl kind of like hard information dumps along the way. It just kind of naturally is woven into the whole fabric of the entire show.
0: We're reviewing season one of the Star Wars TV series Andor with Pastor Ted Geese. He teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled "A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film." We'll discuss how the series deals with death next. Thank you for almost six and a half million downloads so far this year. Please help us reach more listeners in 2023 by making a year-end tax-deductible gift. For a year-end donation of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online contribution at issuesetc.org. Thanks for listening, and thanks for your support.
1: For nearly 140
2: years, the Lutheran Witness has taught the faith, defended it against error, and shown forth the great
1: treasures of the Lutheran Church and biblical doctrine. We're continuing this legacy by publishing issues and articles that help you see the world from a Lutheran perspective and that teach biblical doctrine and show forth the treasures of
2: God's Word. Visit our website to learn more and how to subscribe, witness.lcms.org. The Lutheran Witness, helping you interpret the world from a Lutheran perspective. It's
0: the days before Christmas, and the list is so long of whom to buy what for, so I'll help you along. Ad Cruesome has gifts for all budgets and tastes. Our service is quick for shoppers in haste. Pop over to the website, adcruesome.com, for gifts focused on Christ, where it's always belonged. Reminders of his work for saints in this world, and his promises eternal, yet to be fulfilled. Visit adcruesome.com. That's A-D-C-R-U-C-E-M
2: Is your child struggling at school? Are you thinking about homeschooling? Would you like help knowing what to teach and how to teach it? The Simply Classical Curriculum from Memoria Press provides an enriching, step-by-step, classical Christian education for students who have autism, learning or behavioral difficulties, ADHD, and more. You'll find everything you need, including daily lesson plans to guide your way. Learn more at simplyclassical.com. Use LPR 23 to save on your order. Simplyclassical.com. Your lifeline to the Lutheran worldview. You're listening to Issues Etc. If you continue in my word, you are truly my disciples, and you will know the truth, and the truth will make you free. Dr. Russell Dawn, President of Concordia University, Chicago. Indeed, the quest for truth is at the core of a university's purpose. The liberal arts, illuminated by the revealed truths of Scripture, are powerful for equipping students for a life of self-governance. A disciple is one who follows the master. So what does it mean to follow Jesus? He said that it means to take up one's cross. The cross is thus the symbol of dying for others, of dying to self for the sake of serving others. And a life of service is a life well lived. Truth. Freedom. Vocation. Concordia University, Chicago. Cuchicago.edu
0: Welcome back to Issues, etc. I'm Todd Wilkin. We are looking at Season 1 of the Star Wars TV series Andor with Pastor Ted Geese. Folks, if you appreciate our TV and movie reviews with Pastor Geese, please make a year-end tax-deductible contribution to support the worldwide outreach of Issues, etc. For a year-end gift of $250 or more, we'll send you our latest book, The Wittenberg Trail, Paths to Lutheranism, and a new recording of 22 hymns featuring the Lutheran Public Radio Choir. You can make a secure online donation at issuesetc.org or by giving us a call, 618-223-8385. Thanks for listening, and thanks for keeping Issues Etc. in mind at the end of 2022. Ted, how does this series deal with death?
1: I think this is, like, one of the more interesting parts of the whole show. So, dear listener, if you want to think about this, uh, you know, the first place you always want to go when you think about death Um, in terms of a dramatic show, like a show like Andor, is The Fifth Commandment. So you shall not murder. What does this mean? We should fear and love God so we do not hurt or harm our neighbor in his body, but help and support him in every physical need. So lots of science fiction shows or movies, you know, you have a lot of expendable characters. Uh, You got an army of faceless, you know, villains, you know, in the Star Wars universe, you've got all these stormtroopers with masks on, like helmets, and you can shoot them and, you know, lightsaber them or whatever. In the prequel movies, there were all these droids that were kind of faceless, kind of cannon fodder for the Jedi. And you don't really get as textured and as varied a kind of um, landscape of dealing with death, dying, and what it means to take a life and how people react to that. This show has a real gambit of stuff in it, which is really interesting. Even like the security officers, and you know, if, if some one of their fellow security officers dies, it becomes a moment. It's not just something that's glossed over. It's not just violence for violence sake kind of a thing. There's a sense that there's loss on both sides of everything, which is interesting because they don't often have that kind of a focus in shows like this the character of Cassian Andor in that original Rogue One film, when you get introduced to him, one of the first things he does, there's an informant and he shoots him because the guy can't escape and he has to escape. And there's this kind of pragmatism to the way that he is conducting his clandestine cloak and dagger kind of activities. And you're thinking to yourself, well, what kind of character is this? And of course you're getting to know that character in this show. So in this show he also has this moment where it's like these guys are going to kill me and he kills the security officers and then he has to flee the scene. So this is kind of like a a Moses fleeing into the wilderness kind of a a scenario. And it, it's murder, but it's uh in it's a heat of the moment kind of a thing. And then, you know, later there's this heist, the Aldani heist in the show, and during that period there's somebody who turns out to be a traitor, and he he shoots that guy and kills him, but it's in a moment of justice being handed out. So that's, that's kind of a different way again. And then you have another one central character, and I don't want to, like, we're spoiling some things. I know that there's people who are uh, like on the fence about watching this. If, if you're on the fence about watching it and you don't want to have something spoiled, maybe don't listen to some of these, these details. I'll try my best not to spoil some of the big plot points for everybody, but there's a character back on Ferex, the, the planet that Andor is from who dies. And I think the easy way to write this would be is that to have Andor there when the character dies because it's kind of juicy, dramatic stuff, right? But what they do is they have the character die off screen. And then you feel the absence of not being there when the person died, that Andor feels. You You find out about it as Andor finds out about it. And that's interesting, right? This is uh, something that's a big deal for the people in that community. So there's going to be a funeral and there's a funeral procession. And there's music with the, like a funeral dirge, there's music with the funeral. There's even this character of this droid, B2EMO, so B2EMO, right? And he's a very emotional little droid. And a friend of Andor's, a friend of the family of Andor is this guy Brasso, they really kind of like tenderly talk to this droid and try to help the droid through the fact that this character died, which again is very unusual. Like you don't like sometimes in star Wars, if a droids kind of in the way of things, they just switch them off. Right. Like they do with C-3PO and empire strikes back. But here there's, there's a very tender kind of relationship between the droids and the people. And they, they want to help them through the grief process of having somebody die right which is also interesting there's this prison uh section of the show where uh, andor is in prison and he's in this big facility where they're making parts and they discover that the the empire who's got them in this prison doesn't really intend to ever let them out and they just they give you the impression that you're going to get out but you just get rotated to a different place in the prison and you're gonna be there working until you die. There's no escape. And there's this really old man who should be about to leave and he's just not gonna make it. And the doctor comes and the doctor euthanizes him, but the doctor is completely stuck. He's like, there's nothing I can do for this man and I'm not even a doctor anymore. Like, so he's struggling with the fact that he's he's stuck in this situation where He's being called upon to to euthanize people so and that's a and that that becomes a catalyst for like there's no way out of here. We have to try to escape right and then there's an another character in the midst of all of that trying to escape a poignant moment where this prison is like surrounded by water, and he just says, "Well, I can't swim, so like that character is going to probably die. So over and over again, there's, death keeps coming up, but it comes up in ways that are super unexpected, or I should say, unexpected for a show like this, with much more depth than you would normally expect, coming at it from so many different angles. Even the Imperial ISB, this kind of clandestine organization that's like the CIA, let's say. You know, at one point they torture a pilot this happens off screen, but they torture a pilot until he dies, and then they make it look like he died in a different way, and they just kind of make it look like an accident, so that the other side can find it, the body, and come to their own conclusions. But they're they're using it in a very utilitarian, like death for them is very utilitarian, very pragmatic. You know, how can we use this to get our goals. And then the character of Luthen, Rial, who's like a ringleader for for the rebellion, he also has to make decisions about who lives, who dies, what a sacrifice would be that would be appropriate. Like if you have information that could stop something from happening, do you use it? Because if you use it, you show your hand and then they know that you know, you know, like there's, the idea of having spies and moles inside of organizations within the empire, all of that stuff is is swirling around the whole entire show. And I think that's all very interesting because Tony Gilroy is always putting the characters into this spot where am I helping my neighbor or am I not helping my neighbor? And if I can't help my neighbor in this moment, Am I doing it for the greater good? It gets into the area of ethics surrounding death and dying and the, the nature of rebellion. And that's a pretty interesting thing.
0: What are your general thoughts about how this first season of Andor wrapped up?
1: I liked how it wrapped up. It really came to a quite an interesting point in the last episode. I found it was very satisfying in a lot of ways. Maybe there's not as much action and explosions and, you know, like we talked last time about how there's, there's not as much to do with the force in it as other Star Wars shows, but it really gives you this, a real feel for why you would want to have a rebellion in the first place and just how far off from the Republic, the empire has become and that's all very interesting we re-watched rogue one you know a couple days after we finished uh, this season of andor just to kind of see where it was going again like uh, we wanted to kind of brush up on that so looking at that like the character of jen urso played by felicity jones that character is one of the characters along with chirit played by donnie yen in that rogue one movie they bring in a lot of the Jedi-related stuff into it. And when you watch it, it's like, well, Andor is not the guy bringing in the Jedi stuff. So it makes sense that when you're watching this story about Andor, that he's not really up to his eyeballs in Jedi ideas or whatever else. So that it still kind of makes some kind of sense. The one thing that K-2SO played by Alan that's this is the droid from that movie, Rogue One. That droid is really funny in Rogue One, and he's supposed to show up in Season 2 of Andor. So that's going to be kind of good, I think, for the general feel of the show. So I I anticipate that Season 2 is going to be a little faster paced, a little more humor, a little more moving and kind of bridging now towards that uh, Rogue One film. But as it stands right now, like this is just really interesting writing with piles of actors that are doing just a stand up, excellent job and the set design. They're doing something different with this show than they did with the Mandalorian or with Boba Fett. They're using a new technology in those shows where they have this kind of screen that they can project onto. And, in this show, that what they're doing is they're using real locations and they're allowing for big landscape imagery to be there that's not computer-generated or not mitigated by this other technology. And again, that gives it a real grounded feel. Like, it makes it feel more real. And, and it actually makes it feel more like the original trilogy of films, like in terms of the look and the feel of things. So I'm really kind of happy with how it went, and I'm really looking forward to where it's going.
0: Pastor Ted Geese has a bachelor's degree in fine arts. He's pastor of Mount Olive Lutheran Church in Regina, Saskatchewan, Canada. And he teaches a course for Concordia Lutheran Theological Seminary titled A Lutheran Approach to Art, Media, and Film. Ted, thank you very much. Thank you. After the break, we're going to spend some time with Dr. Angus Manoos, professor and chairman of the Department of Philosophy at Concordia University, Wisconsin we'll discuss naturalism christianity and human dignity and worth stay tuned Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection is the perfect Christmas gift for children, grandchildren, and godchildren ages 5 through 9. This new resource is published by Concordia Publishing House. Their phone number, 1-800-325-3040. You can also purchase Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection at issuesetc.org. The Issues Etc. Book of the Month for December, Archbooks Treasury Christmas Collection, 1-800-325-3040, or issuesetc.org. This fallen creation is bested
1: by tornado, hurricane, flood, pandemic, and more. LCMS Disaster Response helps our congregations, their pastors, and other church workers to reach out to their members and neighbors with mercy, which flows from Christ's altar. We offer quality volunteer training, help for congregational readiness and response, and disaster grant funding. To learn more, visit lcms.org slash disaster. That's lcms.org slash disaster. Epiphany Lutheran Church in Door, Michigan gathers to receive our Lord's gifts in Word, Baptism, and Supper every Sunday morning at 9.15, Bible study at 11. Join us at 4219 Park Lane in Door or visit us on the web, epiphanydoor.org. Christ-centered, cross-focused, historic, confessional, liturgical, Epiphany Lutheran Church in Door, Michigan, epiphanydoor.org,
2: 616-681-0791. Join Lutherans for Life in Washington, D.C., Thursday, January 19th through Saturday, January 21st, 2023. Go to LutheransForLife.org to learn more about LFL's Conference for Adults, LFL at the March, and the Y for Life Youth Conference in Washington, D.C. The registration deadline is December 15th. Lutherans for Life, equipping Lutherans and their neighbors to be gospel-motivated voices for life lutheransforlife.org. Theology for blue-collar, white-collar, and clerical-collar. You're listening to Issues Etc.
1: You may be one of those pastors who need to be refreshed
0: and refueled because of your parish ministry. Issues Etc. Regular guest, Dr. Charles Geishan.
2: Concordia Theological Seminary has a wonderful program, not only in continuing education during the summer, but in a advanced study program called the Doctor of Ministry. And it's a very practical program because it focuses on congregational ministry. It incorporates biblical theology with the ministry of the congregation. It's also very accessible for pastors, and it's also affordable. You can major in pastoral care and leadership, teaching and preaching, or mission and culture. And we pray that pastors will take advantage of this program.
0: Learn more about the Doctorate of Ministry program at ctsfw.edu or by calling 1-800-481-2155. Concordia Theological Seminary, Fort Wayne, Indiana.